Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or wherever you're at out there in the uh, in internet land. This is our grand finale for the Phantom Correspondent Summer of Video Games. We're doing one one more uh, semi-massive podcast uh, talking about what we're calling Nintendo's GUI Center, which is uh, basically an overview of the 64 overview of the GameCube, an overview of the Nintendo Wii, and what those systems meant uh, to the video game landscape, and really more so what they meant to Nintendo's landscape as a whole. Uh, and joining me here uh, today, right now, I've got the EIC, Jacob Vance Harsey. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing great, man. Ready to talk about some Nintendo. I've got uh, Admin Raven over there. How you doing, Jenny? What up? And he's doing good. And I've got with us uh, from, you know, all the way from the, the great, the great city of Lexington. I've got Al. Al, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm doing great, man. I, too, have a juicy, gooey center. So I'm ready to, yeah. to talk about how I can relate yeah. to the Nintendo consoles. <laughs> yeah, and, and and before before we jump into that right there, we do have some uh, some uh, things we got to plug, some uh, business we got to handle. We are technically uh, this, like I said, this is the last of the video game podcasts, uh, so they're all going to be up. Uh, they're all, in my opinion, really good, uh, all really good in different ways. Uh, and then after this, uh, coming up the next week, we've got me and Jenny are going to be doing things on uh, MTV's The Challenge. So if you're really into uh, entertaining. Uh, semi-trashy game shows uh, that's going to be fun for for anyone um, plus me and Jenny I, the interesting thing about that is me and Jenny have extreme opinions on the challenge so that's, that, that's going to be we what's do, a lot of yeah. fun uh, and then uh, Jake and I at some point are going to be doing some some comic book related stuff starting with hopefully Jeff Johns but moving into other things like X-Men uh, the Batman titles stuff like that so hopefully that'll happen soon uh, but you never know with uh, with Jake uh, with Jake's schedule. You know, mm. you just don't know how that's going to that, work. Yeah, that's you know, what's going to happen. Jake okay. doesn't really like talk about comics like a lot of us. Do. What what can I say? You know, <laughs> it's not really not really one of my favorites. That's obviously yeah. a joke versus anyone who likes to talk about comics. It's 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 Jake mm -hmm. Jacob Vance. But uh, with that in mind, uh, we're going to talk about Nintendo. We're going to talk about the 64. We're going to talk about the GameCube. We're going to talk about the Wii. Three extremely disparate consoles with three extremely different strategies three extremely different legacies, uh, and three extremely different, uh, uh, how can I put this, successes, I guess, mm -hmm. um, or, or, or lack of success, actually. Um, so real quick, okay, because talking about the 64 is going to be interesting, because I, as I pointed out, uh, as the old man in, of the group here, I remember the 64 as a, as a landmark thing. Um, but some of you all might remember the 64 as something that old people played. So, so what is what? Just, just general idea, okay? Before we even talk about it, uh, before we even talk about anything to do with the sixty-four, what is your general consensus view of the Nintendo sixty-four? Jake, we'll start with you. Um, a really good step forward in the realm of three D games. Okay, that's that's a good that's a good way to put it. Jenny, what do you think? Um, I could be mixing up my consoles, but, uh, I think it's amazing. Um, you know, I remember you handed me an unplugged console and saying I was playing it and I wasn't, so, or a controller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that definitely happened. So, um, yeah, it was my first introduction. So, um, it's, it's an amazing console. I love it. Okay. Al, what about you, man? What's your, what, you know, as I point out, you and Jake are kind of the youngins here. Uh, I think Jake, you were two. 
or going to be 90, two. 95 or 96. 96. It's actually you were one because it's September 29th. That been yeah. 1996. That would have been two. Oh, yeah, here you are, just two. two. Yes. You were just now two. <clears throat> How old were you in September 29th, 1996? Um, in September of 96, I would have been two as well. Okay. So, so, so what, what is your, you know, I mean, you know, what, what is your opinion of the legacy of the Nintendo 64? How can you sum it up as someone who hasn't experienced it that much? Real, real quick, for the record, as, as a two-year-old, I even said, this is a wonderful yeah. leap forward. Yeah, the as, as a two-year-old, you know, hit the stroller going through Toys R Us, he looked over at the games and wow, what a wonderful leap forward in 3D gaming that was. Yeah. Um, yes, I apologize. I, I interrupted. That's no, fine. When I was um, as a two-year-old, I was not um, quite as eloquent uh, as Jacob was, <laughs> but, um, uh, despite being a few months older. Um, but um, I think, you know, in retrospect, and also with the uh, the sparing uh, the spare's time I've had hands-on with the N64, um, I got to say that. Out of all the consoles I can think back on, um, N64, uh, because of when it came out, because of the era that it kind of helped jumpstart, it probably has the greatest uh, game disparity as far as the games that were absolutely huge, absolutely, you know, um, very innovative and legendary status, and um, also had the most games that were pretty jank so when i think of it i think of i kind of think of both i think of the jankiness of early 3d and i think of um the several titles it also had that were just um as innovative and as as huge in marks and games as you can get yeah what's what's interesting with what al did there is he's he's basically summed up correctly even though he was two what the 64 is really known for because 64 interestingly enough i think has maybe more games for any Nintendo system right now that are considered legendary. So like obviously 64, you've got Ocarina of Time. Mm. Okay. Which I'm not going to spend too much time on because there's another, uh, two hour podcast out there uh, talking about Legend of Zelda, but Ocarina of Time was a huge step forward for 3d games. Obviously in my opinion, even more of a step forward just because it came out first is Super Mario 64, Mm. which is, you know, the landmark title of the 64 um, you've also got, uh, but but what's interesting about the 64 is you've also got games that are going to become even bigger titles later on. So uh, something like Mario Party, the first Mario Parties are mm-hmm. on uh, 64, and uh, in particular Mario Party 2 is considered a huge step. Uh, there's another big first on the 64. You all know what that is? Super Smash Brothers. Super Smash Brothers, exactly, which doesn't even come close to what it will become really just one generation later of Melee. Um, but still starts there. Um, you've also got Mario Kart 64, which more than any of the other Mario Karts really sets a standard of what the Mario Kart games are going to be. So you do, you're right, you do have all these really great games, okay? Like, I mean, really strong titles, Majora's Mask, you've got Banjo-Kazooie, you've got Donkey Kong 64, you've got Star Fox 64, which is probably my, honestly, my favorite Nintendo 64 game. Yeah, plug my snap. Hold on. Hold oh, okay, on. okay. 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 All right. Uh, but mm-hmm. if for no other reason than, you know, do a barrel roll, uh, Fair. obviously. And so you've got stuff, you've got, so you've got all these games that are memeable. Okay. So like, if I told you, uh, and 
if, if I mentioned to you that the 64 is considered one of Nintendo's biggest failures, like, would you find that hard to believe? Mm, is it considered to be a bigger failure than the Wii U? Yeah, well, okay, I'll put it to you this way, okay? It sells 36 million copies, all right, which seems awesome. It also has the biggest selling game of the generation, which is the Super Mario 64. Mm-hmm. But do you know how many copies of the PlayStation were sold? Yeah, that's the mm. yeah, that's the thing. Do y'all know offhand? No. I'm gonna say like 80 million. According to Wikipedia, 101 million copies of the PlayStation were sold. So you're losing you're losing the console war by 65 million consoles. Yeah. Um. So what do you what? So you know, Al's Al's already talked about some of the jankiness of the games. We don't really have to mention too many of the games, Castlevania 64, Cough Cough, that were janking. Um, but what do you think contributed to this this failure? Who, who you're saying? Uh, Jake, this? you go. Um, for me, just <clears throat> from the different things that I've you know watched from whether it's Video Game Donkey, Matt and Muscles, any of the other great. Um, YouTube uh, gaming historians and different people like that. Angry Video Game Nerd being another one. Um, it seems like in the mid '90s there was almost there was almost like this split that happens where when Sony and Nintendo like there there's an alternate reality where Sony and Nintendo work together and like they create something amazing because <coughs> what happens with like and like even we talk about it a little bit in the in Legend of Zelda podcast the Philips CDI is because they turned away Sony at mm-hmm. one point and then Sony was like well we're going to make the PlayStation yeah and so i almost there's an alternate reality where Sony and Nintendo work together yeah. and and dominate the Nintendo landscape yeah, because can you imagine one system that has Mario sixty four and Final Fantasy seven and Spyro, and Spyro and, and Metal Gear Solid and Link? Yeah, you know all the Zelda games. Like one system having all that stuff would be amazing. Yeah, um, but we lose that because Nintendo Nintendo turned them away. Yeah, and yeah, I I think that 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 aspect of I think at that point it kind of became. Something of of almost like of almost like like a race to see who could get which studios to work with them first. Because I know, of course, the the Nintendo was still using cartridges. The PlayStation start moved to disc. A lot of your developers really liked the idea of disc, and they really wanted to see what they could do with them. Uh, prime example being Konami moved uh, most of their stuff over to like Symphony of the Night, Metal Gear Solid moves over to. Uh, Sony, and they're able to do what they can with the disc, but you already mentioned what Castlevania 64 becomes mm-hmm. on the cartridge. And so I I honestly think that a lot of it is that Nintendo, at that point, they were not willing to advance their hardware enough for other developers to work with, which is why your mainstay, like Nintendo titles, even though the graphics might be dated the controls are still there and they still look and play really well. But then you contrast that with like some of like the like third party titles. I think that really kind of comes into effect and in a way that really ha- wasn't, 
wasn't really fixed until the Switch, honestly. Mm-hmm. If you really start to look at the history of Nintendo, so I think I think that might be one of the reasons is that there was just a better, um, a larger selection. I'm not saying a better, I wouldn't say a better selection, but a larger selection on the PlayStation. Al, is the 64 controller your favorite controller of all time? Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> However, I I will qualify that statement by saying I am one of the few people of the human race who do have a third hand growing out of my stomach. So, so it was really made for me. Uh, t- talk a little bit about the, uh, I would say, the uh, the obtuse nature of the 64 controller, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, uh, for anybody who's unfamiliar with the hardware of um, the N64, um, at its heart, I don't believe the N64 is as horrible a controller as it's been retrospectively turned into over the years. I think um, I think the problems with it are are very real. I mean, it is. It looks as if it's supposed to be held by somebody with three hands. It just does. Um, so it's weird. But I mean, it it's almost kind of sad in a way because I mean, you move the analog stick just like slightly over to the left. I mean, you you essentially have a GameCube controller. I mean, if you move it over to the left, you take out the weird center Nintendo extension, whatever you want to call it. Um, You take that out, you move the stick over to the left of the controller. I mean, you basically have what they had with GameCube. So, um, and so it's, it's kind of unfortunate that um, the design was so close to being very good and very ergonomic, um, and it missed the mark so badly at the same time. But, um, but yeah, as far as the hardware goes, it's definitely a portion of why the console uh, was probably not as successful as Nintendo probably hoped. Uh, Also, too, I do want to say, I mean, there's been a bunch of cultural studies done on that on the console war in the 90s and i think it is worth saying to nintendo's credit um i don't think anybody really expected the playstation one to sell as well as it did i mean it was it was absurdly successful (laughs) so i think that's also worth uh i'm talking about and interesting as well is that it was i mean it was just absurd how the playstation one um sold over time so um but no no the the controller definitely didn't help that's for sure i think i think the controller hurt uh the 64 more than uh more than we can really almost quantify because i remember you know of course there was when the 64 launched the the big thing that happened in Owens World at least was that the 64 launched and Toys R Us was doing this thing where they were like you can come and play the 64 you know in this in, in this corner of video games that several consoles set up come and play it come and try it out so I remember going to try it out okay like begging my parents to take me to Toys R Us I go and try it out I remember walking up to that controller and being so confused as to what to do because <laughs> if you move from the Super Nintendo to the 64 you know, you've got what is one of the more basic, but 
uh, easy to use controllers ever, going to this three-pronged monstrosity, I had no clue how to move Mario. I kept hitting the D-pad, and the D-pad kept changing the camera. The camera. Yep. Uh, so, like, you know, it's just really weird uh, trying to figure that out. And uh, and I do think that that hurt uh, more than it helped because a lot of games had a really hard time finding the right uh, way to use that controller. Um, I would say even a game like Donkey Kong 64 uh, has a has a hard time trying to figure out what to do with that controller. Um, so so it does have some some issues there. However, there's some interesting step forward with the 64 that we have to talk about. First and foremost, it's the first system that you could have four people on one system on. Uh, that had never happened before, which leads to the rise of party games. Jenny, why is Nintendo the best party game system of all time? Why, why, why do they do that so well? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean... Or do you consider them the best? Well, of course I do. Okay, like, yeah, I that's why, that's why um, I But, like, uh, I don't know. Like, the, the variety of games that they have, um, you know how competitive they can be um it's just fun like everybody no <laughs> everybody can enjoy something on the nintendo like yeah. it doesn't matter who you are so and with games you know of course nintendo really tried to lean into that you had obviously mario kart was your first one but it was smash brothers and then later on mario party mm-hmm. uh you know i know jenny you're a huge mario party fan you know what what is you know, the Mario Party legacy, why does that work so much? Uh, I mean, I, I can't speak that because I hate Mario Party with the white hot, hot intensity of a thousand suns. Mm-hmm. But I know you're a big fan, so why does Mario Party work? Well, in my, in my opinion, it's kind of like a board game, right? Yeah. So it's like it's a board game without, like, the mess and the setup. Um, and, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen all the time. Uh, there is a strategy to it, even if you oh, really? even if you disagree. Okay. There's a lot of strategy. Mm. You got to be, you know, you got to be about your wits with that game. Yeah. Um, and then you you also left out, um, which I'm sure you're going to talk about later, but with party games like the Wii, um, like that was like every single game. Yeah, over 15 years from that. Well, right? I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. That. But yes, but yeah, yeah. No, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. But yeah. But so. Yeah, and that, I think that was a that was one thing they did well, um, and they understood uh, they they took that success because that was the thing about having sixty four. There were so many different games you could get with you and your friends. Uh, like I said, Smash Brothers, Mario Party. You had uh, Mario Kart sixty four. Uh, I've got to throw this in just for uh, all the wrestling fans out there, but the two best party wrestling games are on the 64 with WrestleMania 2000 I forgot about that. and No yeah, Mercy. Yeah, those were fun. And so, I mean, th- those were those were big games to, you know, get four people in, throw that Royal Rumble on, you know, and just, you know, play for an hour and see who comes out on top. I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and so those... Also, like, the first console FPS with uh, GoldenEye. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, okay, well, okay, well, I, that's where I was going next. Oh, so, like, okay, so okay, I, have, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep getting ahead, no, I'm sorry. No, you're fine, so, so you do have, uh, you know, I, I, you know, there's an interesting thing that happens where PlayStation has some success with FPS, particularly with the Medal of Honor, Medal of Honor series, mm-hmm. which was really good, but the modern FPS as we know it is really launched on the 64, with the success of Doom 64, and then, of course, obviously... Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. So, Jake, talk about Goldeneye then, since you brought it up. I well, so I talk about Goldeneye. <laughs> um, 
as someone who has never actually beaten it, like oh, all the way okay. through. Um, Sounds like you almost shouldn't have been the one to bring it up. Then, probably shouldn't have, you know. Um, but but here we go. That's the these are the paths we have chosen. Um, but I, I have I have played Goldeneye uh, quite a few times. Um, this and multiplayer's and things like that. Um, the the controls. I, I I'll never forget the first time that I, that I played it was probably. T- 2003 2004 so so to me the controls are very outdated by this point um because you have one analog stick to do everything and you have your your seat your c pad to actually look around everything you can hold down r to aim but it's very in, in comparison to having you know at this point like halos come out you know and like the the earth like like the medal of honor has been out you know like i i have played games with two analog sticks and I have seen the future at this mm. point, you know? So, so for me, golden, I was kind of outdated by the time I played it, but it's, it's hard not to at least appreciate from a historical standpoint, what it brought to the system. And the fact that it was like, like you said, like it was the first modern or one of the first modern FPS for console. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the FPS on, on Nintendo 64, uh, even though you're right, it's very outdated now. But things like looking around corners, <laughs> you know, yeah. and like and ducking and things like that, things that you really didn't do in Doom, but you did in Goldeneye, uh, have, have really stuck around. And that was the that was the key component. Uh, and of course, like I said, Perfect Dark almost gets a little left out sometimes, um, even though it was a fantastic game as well. Had a lot of Really innovative things that even today they don't really use, like the gun that can shoot through walls and things like that. Isn't the uh, one hit kill? Uh, Perfect th- Dark. There's a one hit kill, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, but I mean, just like there's a lot of things in, in Perfect Dark that were innovative that uh, some stuff we haven't really caught up with even today. Um, so yeah, I, the FPS really the modern FPS kind of starts on on the 64, at least the modern console FPS does. Um, so 64, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a step forward, you know, in a lot of ways. So it's always kind of weird to me when it's considered kind of a failure. I, I remember as, as this was going on, you know, Al talks about the, um, you know, the, the generation as a whole and as the, you know, the PlayStation started to really gain a lot its footing and really started to, you know, throw out, it seemed like there for a while, you know, a game a month that was just, you know, huge, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Resident Evils, you know, Milgar Solid, Final Fantasies, you know, just, it seems like there was a game coming out a month that was big for uh, the PlayStation. The problem with the 64, it seems, is that there just really wasn't enough games to keep up. You had plenty of classic ones, but there just wasn't enough of those uh, third-party titles to keep up with it. And the ones you had, or stuff that we don't even remember. Like, uh, it's weird to think how big Turok was in you mm. know, 1997. But I think if you ask the average person on the street what Turok was, they'd have no clue what to tell you. I mean, right? I mean, no, man, you asked the right person. I mean, like, Al, do you know what Turok, Turok fan. Al, do you know what Turok is? Oh, I I go to sleep and I see Turok in my dreams. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Turok's a, a, a big deal, obviously. You know, a, a very uh, uh, you know big deal, but it's just kind of fallen by the wayside. You know, and so uh, games like that um, wasn't it basically Rainbow with dinosaurs. It it was basically Rainbow Six with dinosaurs. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's basically what it was. 
thought you said uh, Rambo. I did. Yeah. But, oh. but Rambo Six, Rambo. <laughs> okay. My Rambo bad. Six, Rambo, and Dinosaur. Okay. Whoa. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, I think, no. Yeah. Oh no. I thought you said Rainbow. I, I literally said Rainbow with dinosaurs, mm. and I was like, I'm just gonna save him and say Rainbow Six. <laughs> so, because uh, I didn't know what was happening there. <laughs> um, is it like I, Rainbow with dinosaurs, man? Just, oh, Jacob's lost it. <laughs> there is. There is uh, a. And this is an underlying thing that when you talk about with Nintendo, um, before we move into the the next console, there's two underlying things that even though Nintendo apparently failed with the 64, there are two underlying things that keep it going uh, into uh, basically through, throughout all this 20 year period. One, and I don't want to get too far, don't, don't want to go too much into this because like I said, we were talking about the consoles, but one is the fact that Nintendo has always dominated the portable system game, uh, going all the way back to the Game Boy, through the Game Boy Color, through the Game Boy Advance, through the DS, through the 3DS. During this time period, they're selling so many of those. Uh, you know, the DS family, quote unquote, is the third selling con best selling console of all time. Um, so, you know, they're selling plenty of these, uh, playing Game Boy Advances, plenty of 3DSs, and that's what's keeping them uh, really afloat in a lot of ways. Uh, so even if they're losing money on the 64, they have that. They also have a nice little chunk in the Pokemon game um, because you've got Pokemon games coming out. And the 64, as Jake was pointing out, had some interesting Pokemon games uh, that were really going to be, uh, we're going to see really expounded upon. You've got two that are worthwhile, uh, well, three really. you got Pokemon Stadium, and you've got Pokemon Stadium 2, and then you've got Pokemon Snap. Uh, you know, Pokemon Snap is one of the best games in the history of video games. Mm. Um, you know, they're one of the best That's moments <laughs> in the history of video games is playing the whistle and getting Snorlax to dance. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm just saying, you know, there's, you know, Ares dying, you know, there is the princess in our castle and there's Snorlax dancing on Pokemon Snap. Those are those are the big, big moments. Big three, huh? Uh, yeah. But uh, Pokemon, uh, Pokemon, uh, excuse me, Pokemon Stadium is going to be real big because and I have to bring this up because Pokemon Stadium was an interesting thing because it was something that connected to your Game Boy. You could actually take your uh, Pokemon from your Game Boy uh, that you had built or however you had uh, leveled them up and put them into Pokemon Stadium. And you had these, you know, seeing the Pokemon uh, characters doing uh, fantastic uh, moves in 3D or sometimes just basically shuffling their feet and smacking the other Pokemon, mm -hmm. depending on which one it was, because there was definitely a hierarchy of who was the cool Pokemon. So if your favorite Pokemon was Doduo, um, you weren't getting a whole lot out of this. But mm -hmm. if your favorite Pokemon was Charizard or Blastoise, you got to see some pretty cool stuff. So we're going to see Pokemon. Go yeah, exactly. So we're going to see some uh, Pokemon in the background of all this. But the 64, the 64 starts to lose its uh, lose its luster uh, towards the end of its life. There are some games that uh, come out that are big. Like I said, Jet Force Gemini is one of them. Perfect Dark. Um, you know, and what was uh, the first one you said? Jet Force Gemini. I have never heard of this game. Okay, well, uh, okay, so without going too far into Jet Force Gemini, it was a third-person shooter where you uh, controlled little anime chibis, hmm. or what looked like little anime chibis, uh, in uh, Halo suits, essentially. 
Okay. And they went around, and uh, there was a little dog that was a companion. It was really great. Look this game up, guys. Apparently, this is one, if Jake doesn't know it, it's probably one that most people don't know. So look up Jet Force Gemini on your, on your free time. It was a game that uh, had a lot of promise, uh, but it just didn't sell that well because it came out towards the end of the 64's life. Hmm. Um, so um, you, you have some classics still releasing, but we've got to move on into the, the next Nintendo system. Uh, which is the Nintendo GameCube. Woo. Now, Jake, Jenny, you guys own the GameCube. <clears throat> when you think of the GameCube, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Wind Waker. Why Wind Waker, Jenny? Because it's like one of the best games ever. Okay, okay, but yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but you know, just expound. Okay, uh, because like I don't know, it was like one of the mo- again one of the most you know captivating games I've ever played in my entire life. Uh, Quite life defining, um, to be honest. No, not really. Well, maybe actually. No. no. Uh, <laughs> the story, uh, the graphics. Um, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I don't know. It's just great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jake, you you know about uh, a Wind Waker, obviously. I do. Uh, you know, you also know that Wind Waker, although Jenny sees it as the pinnacle of all games, mm-hmm. it was kind of disappointing when it came out, right? I I did hear about that. You yes. did hear about that. I um so in two thousand there was a gaming convention that I can't remember the name of. Um, Pretty sure it was E three. No, no, because it was a different. I think it was called was like it? Space Age or something like that. Oh, okay. It was it was one that like they had like this one and like one other and it did not carry. Okay. Like it was. After this, Tokyo Game Show and E3 are pretty much the main ones that okay. just dominated everything. Um, and But Nintendo was like, we're going to show off the next Legend of Zelda. Okay? And what they showed was basically like... Imagine if it was like a epic sword fight between Link and Ganon. Like, their, their characterizations <laughs> from Ocarina of Time... Only with uh, updated graphics, um, and it just it looked really cool. Like Ganon had this massive sword and everything. And three years later, what people got instead was the cell uh, shaded, um, cartoony uh, Wind Waker. Now, to two people who had never seen the 2000 trailer, true, yeah. Um, we and, and really weren't even into Legend of Zelda at the time. Yeah. Wind Waker was our first introduction, and we were like, "This is one of the best games we've ever played. This is amazing." And the thing is, is that critically, people loved Wind Waker at the time. However, with this being like really early in the world of like gaming forums and GameSpot being on the rise and things like that, a lot of fans hated Wind Waker. Because it was not what they had expected. It, because it wasn't Twilight Princess, which they is felt what. Dipped, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but like 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 I said, you know, later on, towards the end of the GameCube's life, uh, they took care of that. They did a another Legend of Zelda game that was much more what they wanted, I think, graphically, um, and design wise and everything. But I I love Wind Waker. I just I do. Wind Waker's fantastic, and so yeah. The reason I bring this up. Uh, the reason I bring up Wind Waker is because I think it's indicative of what the GameCube really was, which was a console of experimentation, um, and for both good and bad. Uh, good in a lot of ways because a lot of these games we look back on and see as extremely, um, 
you know, powerful uh, and step real steps forward into the in, in the medium. Um, but we also at the time we have to remember that people were like, oh my gosh, first person Metroid. Yeah, what's that gonna be? Yeah, that you was know? like yeah. what was that like? You know, like what? Ugh, I don't want to do that. You know, or look back time and go, oh my gosh, two people to a cart and Mario Kart. What are we gonna do with that? And so the, these games at the time, you know, one, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because our opinions now are nowhere near what the opinions of were back then. Yeah. Because when this stuff was happening, this was, as Jake pointed out, the rise of video game criticism for bad or or even worse. I'm not, I wasn't going to say for good or bad, but I'm going to say just for bad or worse. Mm. Um, because before all this, you had you would get games like uh, you get uh, game magazines like Game Pro, and you would open up your Game Pro, and you know every sing- just about every single game got a three and up. You know, even if they were horrible, uh, Game Pro notoriously gives Shaq Fu like a two point five, uh, which is just you know not correct at all for that game. But Game Pro was there to promote video games, and what you have during this time uh, that happens afterwards is that you have people that are starting to take game criticism seriously. Which is a good thing, but uh, there's really this rise of like hipster game gaming uh, ideology. So if anything goes veers off of what we think it should be, um, then we just don't like it. And that and the GameCube, unfortunately, is really indicative of that. Al, did you have uh, did you have much experience with the GameCube? Did you have any games you remember on the GameCube? I know, uh, like you said, the first system you've owned as a as a Nintendo guy is a Switch. Uh, but were there games on the GameCube that you played that you that you liked? Um, a majority, um, yes. Um, as an answer to your question in general, uh, there's actually a bunch of games on the GameCube uh, on the GameCube that I liked. Um, majority of my experience with the console happened retrospectively um, when I went to college, um, okay. because I had a bunch of friends who had. Um, GameCube's always set up, so I would um, ask to use them and, and play through a bunch of really great games that I had missed um, the first time through. So in college, that was the first time I played um, uh, both in Waker and Twilight Princess. Uh, that was the first time I played um, Super Mario Sunshine, um, which is often... As you were saying, which is often used as, as an example, as kind of like the black sheep of 3D audio games. Um, it was the first time I played Metroid Prime. It was the first time I played the Thousand Year Door. Um, I played a lot of GameCube games that I really, really enjoyed. Um, kind of the qualifier that comes with that is where I was playing it kind of retroactively and going through the game libraries that my friends in college had. Um, obviously, the ones that were available to me were the ones that they thought were worth holding on to. So I only, I only played the hits. Whereas, um, you know, I didn't have the trial of error that I had with like the PlayStation Two, where I played a ton of great gems as they were coming out. But I also kind of had to sort through the the trash that was coming out um, at the same time. Um, so I have kind of a skewed kind of view of the GameCube just because everything I played on it um, was kind of after the fact. I only played the really good stuff on it. But um, um, I will say, I'll go back to the hardware question. Um, 
because you asked me for the N64. Um, the GameCube has one of the best controllers I've ever held. Um, I love the GameCube controller. It's a huge upgrade um, um, across a generation, which, again, is weird because they were pretty close to what they had uh, with the N64 with a few you know, obstacles in the way. But um, um, I will say that. Um, objectively, even retroactively, after a few years and a couple generations going by, um, that GameCube controller was still one of the best things I've ever had. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And of course, that's you're 100% correct, indicative of the fact that we're still using the GameCube controller. Yeah, Jenny's pointing right now to a GameCube controller yeah. we have that Absolutely. we're still using uh, for the Switch. Um, because when Smash Bros. came out, you know, that was one thing they wanted. You know, people wanted to play it with a GameCube controller. And so they released all these GameCube controllers that you can plug into the Switch. Um, so, I mean, that's still, that's still a big thing. Um, the GameCube controller is really fascinatingly good, really. Um, you know, they, they took a lot. You're right. They took a lot of inspiration from the 64, but I think they just moved everything around and made it. Uh, more comfortable in that almost boomerang kind of uh, style that uh, Sony has, but it almost fits a little better in your hand than the PlayStation 2 controller does. Um, so I, yeah, it's a it's a great uh, a great controller. But there's other thing there's 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 one other interesting thing about the GameCube, uh, the GameCube, the console itself, and how it's made uh, that I think is really uh, shows that Nintendo was at the very least, trying to extenuate the positives that they got with the 64. Uh, with the GameCube console itself, what stands out? Okay, Jenny, do y'all, you can think of something that stands out that no no other console since has had? <clears throat> Off the top of my head is a handle. The handle, exactly. Yeah, handle, I mean, here's the thing, that's a big deal. You know, the, I mean, there's no other portable console, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not till you get the Switch, which you know, is portable, but a little different. Mm -hmm. But the idea of they made a system and they really went out of their way to make a system that you could take with you and take to other places. It was called the lunchbox. Exactly. It is like, yeah, yeah, it's like a lunchbox. Um, It's also extremely uh, sturdy. Um, To this day, people will bring in GameCubes that the top won't go all the way down on but I can stick a book on top of the on top of the mm-hmm. top and it'll play all day long. Um, so uh, that is a that that's that's a testament to it. They made a really sturdy portable console, and I think part of that was because they saw how successful their party games were in the '64, and they really doubled down on that uh, with the GameCube. So obviously, there's a huge party game that comes out for the GameCube. Uh, Jenny, Jake, do you want to talk about the huge party game that came out for the GameCube? The first game we bought on the GameCube. Uh, okay, that, that, I thought that's what you were going to go for. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because you you said earlier, what's the first game you think of when you think of the GameCube? And I adore Wind Waker. I really do. I, I love it so much. It's one of my favorite games of all time. But with my birthday coming up, it always reminds me of my favorite birthday was when I was 10. We went and we got a GameCube. And we bought Super Smash Bros. Melee. And we bought two really crappy Nyko controllers um, <laughs> that were cheaper, um, and we didn't have a game. Uh, we didn't have a memory card, so we went home, and we would play Smash Bros. until we would unlock either Jigglypuff or Luigi, and then we said, "Don't turn off the system because we don't have a memory card yet." <laughs> um, and that was 
that is my consistent memory um, until the following week. You got your paycheck from working at the Y, everyone. That that was that was who Josh was. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah. yeah, and and he was. Like, I'm gonna get take a memory card, and <laughs> secretly, I'm pretty sure it was more so. I'm going to get a memory card so I, we can all play as Luigi and Jigglypuff, and eventually unlock a bunch of other characters that we had no idea were in the game. Um, I'll never forget waking up mid nap and you have Ganondorf, and I was very confused as to what was happening. Um, but uh, but yeah, Super Smash Bros. Melee is the first is if I think GameCube, that's the game I think of. Um, and it's not I'm not a competitive Smash Bros. player. I never really have been. Um, not like in like the uh, okay. Excuse me. Excuse. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me rephrase that. I'm not into like the pro competitive Smash Brothers aspect. I adore trash talking everyone on this podcast and everyone else who comes near me until I. Uh, more than often get my ass handed to me sooner or later. Um, but it's just, it's one of my favorite games of all time. It, it just hands down. Like, uh, the entire series is, but Melee will always have a special place in my heart, not because it's the one with the best controls or the one with the best, like, you know, gameplay or even really anything like that, but just because I will never forget just sitting in the living room playing on a crappy little TV that... I have no idea where it is or what happened to break it down. Um, but just sitting there and just playing Smash Brothers, you know, just the three of us. So, I mean, that's – so, yeah, Smash Brothers will always be the first game I think of when it comes to the GameCube. And I, I just – I adore that game. Yeah, I think uh, – I think I think I'd, I'd agree with you. Jenny, do you have many memories for Smash Brothers Melee? Um, I mean, very – I do, but they're, they're fewer than, you know, because um, I was just more into – Legend of Zelda, but um, and also I'd get so mad because uh, y'all would beat me all the time. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, I had to grow as a person to appreciate Smash. Bros. Yeah, that's fair. And, <laughs> and, and now uh, you're it's it's more even. Um, yeah, <laughs> with with Ultimate yeah. uh, playing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's that that was that was a huge step forward in the in the party game genre for uh, uh, for the GameCube, uh, and of course you also have. Uh, is Mario Party three through six is on the GameCube, right? Uh, I know at least four through six is. I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I meant four through okay. six. Okay, uh, that's what I can't remember. If three was yeah, three is. I meant four through six. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, so you had those on there as well. Uh, more great Mario Party games. Um, but the GameCube's interesting because once again, where you know everyone else zags, or what everyone else zigs, uh, GameCube zagging. So, like, everyone else at this time, of course, uh, with the PlayStation 2 and with the Xbox, they're going to DVD-based gaming, mm-hmm. okay, which is basically using, uh, you know, the DVD uh, disc. disc, yeah. Uh, they're basically moving in that direction, okay? The GameCube goes with the with this tiny little, tiny little disc, little chunky little disc, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and because of that, there's a lot of third-party developers that get scared off of the GameCube. So even though you had really good 30 third-party games or not that many good third-party games on the 64, you had some with, you know, Turok and so forth, um, Wave Race 64, things like that. You did not have that really with the GameCube. I mean, I'm struggling, you know, to think of a high-end GameCube third-party game. Can you all think of one? 
I mean the first. I mean the first big one. I mean Resident Evil Four starts on the GameCube. Yeah. Then it gets more popularity on the PlayStation Two. Well, yeah. yeah. That that was the that was the the one I thought of. But to your point, it comes out of PlayStation Two. Kind of gets more popular. Mm. Maybe not more popular, but you know increases its popularity. But also even with that, that was a weird situation where Cam Capcom was trying to put different games out on every system, and somehow mm. GameCube ended up with Resident Evil Four, which they were lucky to get. Um, but you know, the the third um, party, yeah, Al. Go, go I was about it. to say the two that really come to mind, and honestly, after these two, that's about where I stop um, as well. But um, the two for me that really come to mind would be um, Old Caliber Two um, and Beyond Good and Evil. Um, again, those are games that came out on other stuff, but those were pretty successful on GameCube. Yeah, so I, I did. I didn't want to bring up Soul Calibur two because that's another one that I think of when I think of mm-hmm. uh, the the GameCube with me and Jake. Uh, Soul Calibur two, in my opinion, is the best on the GameCube if for one reason, one reason only. Do you know what it is, Jake? Link. Link, exactly. Link's you can, the best of the you three. Can play as Link. Uh, every that was a weird time where every single system got its own special character. Uh, GameCube got Link. Uh, PlayStation 2 got Hihachi and Jake. Who did Xbox get? Spawn. They got Spawn, which is just yeah. got Necrid. Yeah, but everybody <laughs> got Necrid, which was a <laughs> character designed by Todd McFarlane that no one wanted to play as. Um, but yeah, that that was a that was a great game. That was you're right. I think a a uh, a game that's an example of a third party game that was probably. If not the best on GameCube, at least as good as everything else. Beyond Good and Evil might be one as well, although I only ever played that on PS2, so I can't really speak to that. But for the most part, to your point, Al, there's just not that many. Um, so there's really like this push with the GameCube to put out really good first party titles. But as I've stated, the first party titles they put out, um, there's some really interesting experimentation with them so for example we brought up really quick but there's two metroid primes on the gamecube mm-hmm. now they're considered classics but jake i mean you know when metroid prime one came out it was considered you know the first you know fps metroid was just what are we going to do with this mm-hmm. you know did, did did you play metroid prime mike i so i got into it late mm-hmm. and when i played it it was on the Wii. Gotcha. So when so because one of the things that I had heard was that the controller, the way they set the controls for Metro Prime, were difficult um, to say the least. Contrast that with whenever you're playing with the Wii, you have the Wii remote and you can aim a lot yeah. like free freely and everything. I uh, and I were playing Metro Prime and enjoying it, and. You know, a bunch of other people were talked about how, like, well, you're lucky because you never had to play it on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. And because I always heard great game, fantastic graphics, gameplay is actually really good once you get the controls down. But apparently the controls were really difficult for that game with the GameCube controller because it wasn't – they didn't use the C-stick for, like, aiming, which, which a lot of your other FPS did. Like, I know Medal of Honor on GameCube did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think that was kind of a big thing for it, but I think that kind of confused a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Metroid prime, you know, of course is a game that people had to, uh, kind of, you know, bite their tongue on and, uh, say, okay, this was actually really good. A step forward. 
Um, I used to finish the controls, but the atmosphere and everything like that was really good on it. Uh, contrast that with Star Fox Adventures. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, Everyone kind of forgets all Star Fox Adventures. Even though it is, I do find it funny that even in Ultimate, the, the girl from Star Fox Adventures Crystal. is still, yep. Crystal is still a, mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like they're just like, you will love this game. Mm -hmm. um, Al, do you know anything about Star Fox Adventures? I do not. No, I don't know hardly anything about the Star Fox franchise in general. What's great, um, I mean, here's one thing I bet you know about Star Fox. Is as a game typically where you're in a starfighter. I mean, you know that, right? Sure, sure. Okay, I'm so aware of the basics. Yeah, so imagine a game where you're a Star Fox game where you're not in a starfighter. That's basically what Star Fox Adventures was, and it was a. So he's just a fox. He's just a fox running around. <laughs> he's just a, he's yeah. just a terrestrial fox. Yeah, he's just, he's just yeah. He's not a star fox. He's terrestrial fox. Uh, there is some star fighting in it, but for the most part, it's a third-person shooter where you play as either Fox or Crystal, mm. uh, and you, yeah, and you basically just run around and you know no, shoot you, you stuff. Like you like third person. You don't like first person. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You like third person. You like third person. Yeah, you love Division. Exactly. So like it's like yeah, it, it's like Star Fox Division. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not, it's that nothing would be awesome. It's nothing like that. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a much maligned game, okay? That one's a little iffy, though, because that one, it was originally going to be a completely different game. I, I was going to be a completely different game. But still, they, but what? I, but here's what I'm saying. But it was experimentation. There was somebody yeah. who said, instead of making that new IP, let's put Star Fox on here mm -hmm. and see if we can do something with it. Um, and it was an ex experimentation. However, contrast that again. A extremely successful game. Somebody said, what if we take Mario's less famous brother, stuck him mm. in a haunted mansion, and gave him a vacuum? And that's a launch title. And that's a launch title. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's considered one of the best <laughs> games ever yeah. Yeah, in Luigi's Mansion. You know, I mean, that's a that's an example of a game that, you know, that's, that's a selling point on it. Here's Luigi. He's got a vacuum, and he's going to, you know, suck up ghosts. Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, Luigi that's the Ghostbuster. Game. Yeah, yeah, Luigi Ghostbuster. And somebody, they, they gave that opportunity, and it's a beloved game even to this day. So there was really good uh, experimentation. There were steps forward. There were steps back with the GameCube. Um, but once again, the GameCube, what do you think? Success or failure? By, by their rankings? By a sales metric. I would say failure. Jenny? Um, probably failure. Al? Um, I will rock the boat. I'll say failure. <laughs> I would yeah. like to take a guess at numbers if I could. Okay, so numbers for GameCube sold. What do you think, Jay? I, I think 50 million. Okay. That's what I think. Jenny, what do you think? 40 million. Okay, <laughs> Al, what do you think? Or are you looking it up right now? Um, I'm not, no. Um, isn't it closer? Because I did some research on this for our um, our last-gen podcast. Isn't it closer to, like, 25? Yeah. Million? It's 20, 27 million. Oh, it sounds less than the, the 64. Yeah, and... Oh. Here, so contrast... Yeah, Jenny was closer. Yeah, Jenny was closer, although Al, you know, technically got it. Okay. What do you think the PlayStation 2 sold? That is 
million. I think it's closer to that. It's 155 like, uh, million. Okay, it's yeah. the highest selling console of all time. Is a PlayStation Two. So you have once again just a crushing, you know, defeat here on a system that I think this one, you know, we look back on, and in my opinion, it kind of gets a bad rap. Yeah. You know, this system had a lot going for it. Um, in particular, you know, with the with the the steps forward they were taking in the party game, but also, in my opinion, in 3D gaming. You know, here's the thing. I've Super Mario Sunshine is famously, in my opinion, the Super, the Super Mario game I've never beaten. Okay? One of the hardest games I've ever right. played. Okay. Al, it's like, are you ready? Are you ready, Al? Oh. Oh, are you ready? Then he's going to say it. Are you ready? <laughs> it's the Dark Souls of Super Mario. Man. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but it, it all honestly before before dark souls existed that was the game you went to to say like it this is a difficult game um because some of those man some of those many challenges and everything like i don't know what you're i don't know how you're supposed to beat them i, I think that when um uh uh, Miyazaki was actually thinking of the different like enemies uh, for uh, for Dark Souls and for Demon Souls. He was actually pulling from his dreams that he was having after he had been playing Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah. I think that's kind of where uh, where most of the inspiration came from. Isn't that true, Al? That's very that's very true. That's very <laughs> true. The um, um, the guy who challenges you to a race um, in S- Sunshine. Um, I forget his name, like Hidagio or whatever. Um, he is he is the basis of of Gwyn, the god of fire, in, mm. in Dark Souls One. So there you go. I always thought, I always thought that was correct. I can see the yeah. familiarity. So so similar. Yeah. yeah. Jardio? is that his name? I, I can't remember. Listen, I can't remember. I've, <laughs> I've got the uh, the. 3D uh, All Stars pack, yeah. pack, and I just haven't jumped in the Mario Sunshine yet because it is it is a it, it is it, it is it's just a very difficult game that I'm just not ready to I, I don't have I don't have enough stuff to break yet to play that game so you know that's that's the issue there uh, but it uh, you know that was a very you know, in my opinion, that's a successful game. I mean, it's it's just it's really good at what it does. I think, yeah, I think the flood's really interesting. I think the level design's really interesting. Uh, I think the story's somewhat interesting. Uh, you know, um, but there's just a lot going on with the GameCube that experimentation uh, just doesn't seem to work in their favor. Um, and we look back on these games now, and I think we see them kind of in a different light. But big failure a uh, huge failure um and you know when it when they basically when they basically discontinued the gamecube it, it's discontinued in 2007 um you know when and it's really honestly discontinued before that because i think the last good gamecube game is probably twilight princess yeah and that came out in that come out in 07? 2006 because okay. that comes out concurrently and so like they didn't really have a whole a whole lot after that, uh, in my opinion, on the GameCube, uh, you know, I mean, can you think of anything, Jake? Uh, that late? No, not really. Yeah. Everything was pretty much moving to the Wii. So, exactly. So, the Wii is the next big system. Um, the Wii is interesting because 
you know, Jake, do you remember the trailers for the Wii? Very well, yes. Yeah. So what were they like? So a lot of the trailers for the Wii were um, people in oddly white rooms um, gathering around the system, playing a lot of your part, a lot of different party games. Um, and then one guy who was in a room by himself that honestly looked like a supply closet, um, playing some semblance of like a samurai game that never actually came to fruition. Um, oh, or was it Red Steel? Was it, Red Steel. it is yeah. Red Steel. Red okay. Red okay. Steel. Excuse me. I, I thought, I thought it didn't. Okay. I, I, for some reason I didn't have Red Steel in mind. I thought it was a different kind it of samurai game. Under Red Steel, oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but one of the key things, like most like I, I remember the Wii, early early Wii trailers and the early Switch trailers very very vividly because I remember when both of them were announced. With the Wii, one of the key things and the key elements that they really were driving home once again was party games, because you it showed like young kids playing, it showed grandparents playing, it showed <coughs> parents playing, like. Everyone in your family was supposed to be able to pick up the like Wii Sports or something like that and go from there, um, which, I mean, th- that was that was true at least for us. Like, I, th- I think even mom played oh, yeah. Wii golfing or tennis or something at one mm-hmm. point. You know, um, bowling. We did that. A lot. Yeah, bowling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was that was that was kind of just the trailer. Is they is they were really trying to show a focus on these these party games are really kind of trying to show focus on the entire family should be gathering around this system instead of just like a single gamer playing on it um so yeah yeah and i think i mean that's that's even within the um within the name itself i mean that was the point of the name mm-hmm. um the we mm-hmm. you know which you know i gotta be honest in the history of names you know, for a system, I think the Wii might be one of the worst ones. No, nah, we we the Wii. Wii U is probably the worst. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, uh, but do Ginny, do you remember my my first response to seeing the the trailer for the Wii? I don't actually. Uh, Jack, do you remember? No. Oh, I was not for it at all. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, here, here's here's the thing about video games, okay? In in my opinion is that they should be, you know, enjoyed, you know, in the comfort of sitting down oh, and you're you know, one of those just, guys. Okay. Just playing, yep. the, mm. playing the game, you know, mm. uh, or at least that's what I thought, um, because that was, that's, you, excuse me, you were one of those guys. Yes, I was me. one of those guys, um, you know, but I was coming off of, you know, PlayStation 2, where, you know, I just sat and would play, you know, Metal Gear Solid 3 for hours <laughs> or SSX for hours or whatever. Um, but the Wii really uh, changed a lot of that. Uh, Al, did you uh, in college? Did you play a, a lot of Wii, or was it you know? Did, did you did you play a lot of Wii in general? Um, for the Wii, I actually played the Wii a bit more in high school than I did in college. Gotcha. Um, um, in college, it wasn't um, as popular as a console choice as one might um, expect. Um, but um, it was, yeah. The Wii is interesting. I have a weird kind of love-hate relationship with the Wii. It has two of my favorite games ever. Um, it has my favorite, well, my favorite Nintendo platformer um, in Super Mario Galaxy 2. 
and it has my favorite Kirby game in Kirby's Epic Yarn. Um, but I I hate motion controls. Um, I hate them like unconditionally. So I hated I hated playing the Wii. I hated using the PlayStation Move. I hated yeah PlayStation Move, but the the first time anyone's thought about that in a while. I hated using the Xbox Connect. Um, to this day, even though I love the Switch as a console, um, I, I hate using the motion controls on the Switch. Even like I just motion controls are great. They're a huge innovation. They're great for a lot of people. Um, they, I think it's a them problem. I think they hate me. I think they feel that I'm I, I'm picking up the weird anatomically shaped controllers that these things always have. And it, it feels me and it feels my tension. And it's just like, oh, oh boy, we aren't going to work for this guy at all. <laughs> and, and, and it just it just fails. It just fails every time. I remember I went to um, a game night in high school where um, they had the Wii and we played just like the Wii Resort, just like the huge, huge collection of various games um, on the Wii Resort game. And um, I got so tilted by the one where you're like hitting each other with like the foam swords. Um, I got so tilted by that because everyone would just say, well, just use it as if you're really using it. And I'm just like, bro, no, I can't. Because when I do that, it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't find your controller. And when this person does that, I just get hit just just right into just this probably gross-ass pool of water at this resort. A bunch of kids have probably peed in. Like, it's it's awful. I, I hate the execution of the Wii with every ounce of my being. I was not expecting words. Okay, see, I knew all that. Okay, like, I, 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 knew, I knew the Skyward Sword motion controls. I didn't know all this. But that this being said. Psychological profile of Al right here. Yeah. You know, with his with the yeah, idea of the week. Because week. like I've heard him talk about Skyward Sword, but it was very you know I just don't really like it. Sure, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, but like he's he's, he's got a he's got a storyline <laughs> about Wii Sports Resort, which I didn't even know. You know, it doesn't have a storyline by definition. Al, was that the same night <laughs> that we were playing Just Dance? At, it was at OCC, <laughs> and I was the only one who knew A Punk by Vampire Weekend at the time. No, no, this was a different thing. I'm not sure I was there for that. What did you say, Al? I said no. This is a different time. I, I don't think I was there for that. No, you, no, you were. I remember because, mm-hmm. because you, uh, because um, I don't know the band, but Rob Rob Raspy Team came on, and you fell in love with the at least the lyrics of that song because you said it's the most absurd thing you've ever heard. Oh yeah, well, I mean that's true. That's just. <laughs> it's just very true in general. I st- still feel that way. That um, true. But um, um, no, no. Uh, the 
the Wii can eat all of my ass, but it has some great platformers. That's, That's all amazing. I can say. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, I, I was so all questions to be directed to me and Jenny now. I love that. The thing about the Wii is, and once again, so what's interesting about the Wii is, of the three consoles we've talked about, Al's opinion of the Wii is probably the one that is most consistent with the general video gaming public. What's interesting though is that the Wii sells like gangbusters. Yeah. In fact, it's sold so well that like Nintendo could lose a billion dollars for the next, you know, 50 years. This is this is true, by the way. Couldn't you lose a billion dollars for like the next how many years and still be in, you know, still be in business because yeah. of how well the Wii sold. Uh, the Wii ends up selling 106 million copies. To this day, it's the sixth best selling system of all time. Um, but I mean, it's the the Wii, it, I mean, really won that generation. You know, I mean, it, it really did. Um, and yet, it's really hard to think about classic games on there. Obviously, you've got Super Mario Galaxy, which, you know, Al has mentioned. Uh, what was the other game you mentioned, Al? Um, Epic Yarn. Oh, and Epic Yarn. Yeah, Epic Yarn is a great yarn. game. Yeah. Uh, fantastic awesome. game. Prince Fluff. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Prince Fluff. Is that right. um, uh, Wooly Yoshi or whatever? What's it called? Well, that's Yoshi's Kirby. Wooly World. But, um, okay, but... No, yo, yo, the first Yoshi's Woolly World is on, is on, is on yeah. Wii. Yeah, yeah, it's, same, same or it's on Wii U, excuse me. That was oh, on Wii U, okay, my bad, okay, my bad, yeah, yeah. my bad. But it is, it's the same concept. Same, yeah. 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 With all the, like, you know. Everything's yarn. Yeah. yeah. It's everything. Yeah. Uh, it's cute. Yeah, it, it is, is very it cute. It is very cute. It's um, yarn all the way down. The Wii also, of course, you know, I, I, I love this game still. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Wii, uh, new Super Mario Brothers yep. Wii is a fantastic game. Yeah. Uh, Adds competitive, mm -hmm. I would say competitive cooperation would be mm -hmm. the best way to describe yep. that game. Uh, where you know, um, I don't, I don't know if you remember this a whole, a whole lot, Jenny, or not, but this is the game you could pick up the other person and throw them into the lava. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the, this is the happiest I've seen Jenny. That, that <laughs> lovely memory of just you know messing over me and Jake. Uh, I like throwing things in the lava. Yeah, and you could also jump on people's heads to get a higher jump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, but lit. it would knock them down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely. Was it lit? lit? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was definitely lit. Uh, so like that, that game was a lot of fun. Um, it does have Skyward Sword, of course, which is a game that we, which is a game that uh, you know is in the um, really in the zeitgeist right now because it's just got a re-release. Mm -hmm. uh, it's talked about a lot, but a game we didn't talk about a whole lot because, and this is a weird thing about the Wii is that they had this little period where. Zelda was coming out, and Twilight Princess was supposed to be a GameCube exclusive, and yet it ended up being a GameCube and Wii exclusive. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really talk about Twilight Princess that much. That was kind of a return to form. Uh, Jenny, did you were you a fan of Twilight Princess? Oh my god, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. Game. Uh, you know what? What did, did did we have that on Wii or GameCube? I think we had it on both. We I borrowed it on GameCube because I didn't have a Wii yet, but I wanted to play some of it, um, and then. Uh, I got the Wii. That was that was the first game I bought was Twilight Princess, okay. was Twilight Princess with it. Or you guys had it for me because that was another that birthday, was birthday present. Day, yeah. yeah. So compare compare Twilight Princess to Wind Waker, Jenny. Oh, that's kind of difficult. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a bit darker. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's um, like artistically and story wise, in my opinion. Um, 
you see Link uh, just kind of how you've never seen him before. So it's just, it's great though. It's a great game. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely replayable. I need to replay it actually, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. Uh, Jake, does Jenny like Twilight Princess just because she is Midna technically? Mm. I do love Midna. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, that that might. I don't think that's the only reason, but I think that's definitely a plus for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just remember Midna is sassy. Yeah, Midna is sassy. I remember trying to play Twilight Princess, and just it was just, you know, it, uh, I, I I never I never was able to play uh, Legend of Zelda Wind because I got bullied off of it by mm -hmm. my brother and sister. Yeah, Twilight fair. Princess was a little different though. I I just couldn't play it because it was too close to real life because Midna just bossed me around the entire time. <laughs> so it was very, you know, I, I play games to escape. Um, <laughs> but within but within the Wii, you do have. Uh, you know, I, we do have to talk, you know, Al has a very bad opinion of Wii Sports, mm -hmm. but to this day, Wii Sports is something that every day I work at the Money Tree, I get a call, do you have the Wii Sports game? Because yeah. it was the one that came in the little soft, you know, and just, I guess everybody else other than us just took it out and threw it around like a Frisbee. Mm -hmm. um, but talk about just, you know, the innovation of playing, you know, Wii Sports, Jake. Well, I think that's... That in itself is one of the reasons that I think the Wii was such a success, if I'm being 100% honest. Yeah. Because um, people were willing to buy a – it worked. I mean, it was the cheapest of the three of the systems, and also it came with a game. Mm -hmm. And so you – I mean, if you were paying $250 just to have Wii Sports and the system to play it on, that's really not a bad purchase. Like, because Wii Sports, all five games, you know – Despite having, I, I suppose, a certain learning curve to some of the um, uh, motion controls, as some some people have, you know, just a, a few people here and there, um, you know, it's still one of the most fun games I've ever played. You know, like I, I cannot, I mean, think of the hours that you that you and I put into tennis. Yeah. You you got so competitive. Tennis for some reason was the one you got most competitive about very very quickly. Mm. Um, that's pretty good bowling too. I bowling became such like bowling was almost a ritual where we had a friend who every time he would come over, like for all for about I'd say at least a year, pretty much every time he would come over, there would be at least one round of we bowling. Like through like it just had to happen, you know. Um bowling was just so much fun. because it, 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 it was the one you didn't need to have multiple controllers. You could literally just pass the Wii Remote around. That was always a good part. Um, you know, boxing, I remember, was a lot of fun. Yes. I remember Jenny got out a lot of aggression in boxing. Yeah, um, you know, like, I, I would, it, it would always be fun because, like, I would try to, like, have a strategy to boxing. <laughs> and then Impossible. Jenny would just be Impossible. standing next to me. <laughs> what did you say, Al? I said impossible. It's possible. I, I tried, but then Jenny next to me. Is just, like I almost want to do like a TikTok or a video of her just flailing her arms the way that she would in boxing. And the thing is, is it worked? Like it every I like every I was I'm pretty sure you were. Yeah. Like everything that Al says about how, why the moon <laughs> controls don't work is why Jenny won. You know, more often than not, you know. Because she just broke the system. She was like, I'm, I'm just going to do like a windmill and just, it's going to keep hitting them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Tennis was really fun, too. Yeah, t t tennis tennis was a lot of fun. Yeah, the, um, 
Baseball, I think, was the only one we didn't do a whole lot of. We didn't, no. Um, which, which baseball is not Although bad. Although baseball but... was interesting because that was the one where you used all of the Wii, the Miis you created. Yeah. Which is another thing, I think, when you talk about with the Wii, which is the, you know, Mii creation system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is you still could... a thing in Nintendo World. It is. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, that was a thing that, yeah, you know, for, once again, for good or bad, uh, really changed gaming consoles going forward because the 360 of course then you know launched its own avatar mm-hmm. system uh I, I don't i don't think ps playstation ever did, did playstation they? never i don't think did unless they might have for like the move and yeah. stuff like that but i never um, that. but yeah so i mean that was a thing you know you had to you had to create your own me and we created so many weird me's we had, a lot of we had like a snake eyes me we yep. had a solid snake me yep. you know we had like this. We we had some weird stuff going on. The, there. the Snake Eyes B was fun because you just did his his eyebrows as big as you could. Yeah, and then you much. just take it down to where it looks like he has a mask. It looks like he has the visor. But if but what was funny is that because the system didn't know we were doing that, anytime we were playing like baseball, you would have this random guy in a baseball hat catching like the ball whenever he would turn around it'd be like oh look it's snake eyes but then when he would turn to the side there would just be like these like gigantic like black tendrils yeah, just like protruding from yeah. his face yeah it was horrifying yeah. yeah there was a lot of horrifying stuff you could do with the meme that's, that's <laughs> what i really appreciated about it um you know al uh, I, i'm gonna let you talk a little bit about, yeah i know you don't like the wii <laughs> but you did say you did love super mario galaxy and, and mario galaxy 2 what made those games stand out to you yeah, um, uh, no, I'm happy to, <laughs> sure. um, no, I'm happy to talk about those games. Um, I got to say, hearing y'all talk so positively about, like, about, like, the avatars, the me's, like, is such a surreal experience because, like, I, I hated those bastards. <laughs> because I would, because I would play the, I would play the sports game, and like I'd just be facing off against one of them, and just like it's cold, dead, empty eyes, just, <laughs> just so passive, as as they just beat me into submission. It was like being jumped by like a gang of like giant Funko Pops. Like it, was, <laughs> it was terrible. Except all, except all the Funko Pops weren't like. Ice's characters, they were just dudes. So when so when the police came to like just to, to get the description, you'd just be like, it was just this it was just this guy who was just just retiree from the post office with his empty eyes just beat me to death with a foam sword. Anyway, Super Mario Galaxy is um <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cool game. So with so like a lot of times you see a lot of times with like the platformers you get um, these games that often kind of feel the same or like kind of just small tweaks to established um, ideas and formulas from other franchises or from older entries in the same franchise. But um, Super Mario Galaxy really innovated a whole lot. I would say it's, it's probably the most innovative entry in, in the franchise other than Mario 64, because it just, it asks you to move and problem solve in such unique ways, Um, you know, by using the gravity or lack thereof 
to your advantage to kind of plan your jump routes or your run routes um, to figure out a different way to to maneuver around the map in a 3D space to fight certain kinds of enemies. And it really was a huge innovation and it really kept you engaged where as a lot of platformers, you can kind of like, you can kind of tap out of them and just kind of, you know, do the whole thing. We're like, okay, I'm going to jump at the pit and I'm going to jump on top of or behind the enemies or whatever it might be. Whereas the Galaxy games really required you to be engaged and really required you to problem solve. Um, and then with um, Galaxy 2, um, I think is one of the best um, s- s- sequels t- to a game in general. Because to me, it did exactly what a sequel should do, where it took what worked in the first game and really perfected and polished it and included just a couple of more innovations to really keep you engaged and force you to adapt to it as a new game as well. So, um, yeah, those games, those games are excellent. I mean, I can't talk enough about how much I really, really enjoy the Galaxy games. Galaxy 2, uh, for a while there, I think had the highest, was the highest rated game on Metacritic. Yeah. Uh, Because I I don't think, I don't think there was a, I don't think, I I never read a negative review of Galaxy Mm -hmm. 2. Um, and I mean, really, I don't know any, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'd want to meet the person who didn't like Galaxy 2. Uh, in fact, the biggest disappointment to me about the 3D All-Stars is that Galaxy 2 is not on there, mm-hmm. because I, mm-hmm. I agree, I think in a lot of ways, it expanded on what the first one did so well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you totally on on Galaxy uh, 2, and, and I'm, I'm glad that at least that game uh, stays off some of the horrible memories of the Wii for you, Al. Um, but so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad at least that one does. Um, Jake, real, you know, before we stop talking about the Wii, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the first midnight launch we went to was Super Mario Brawl or, or Super Mario, good lord, uh, mm. Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Was that the Super first Mario one? Brawl? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it was, yeah. at, at least for me, definitely. Um, I remember distinctly. You know, because we didn't know much about that game because they kept, you know, they, they, they kept a lot of under wraps. They kept a lot of what, like, you know, they, they, I remember them talking about the trophies mm. uh, and the, uh, you know, the assist trophies and things like that, but we didn't know what they were. And I remember they, there was a group, you know, they had one set up to play over to the side. I remember someone threw an assist trophy and, uh, King Chomp or uh, something like that. It was, uh, heard. I've lost the, um, uh, Andros from, oh, uh, yes. Star Fox, mm-hmm. you know, shows up. And it's just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best game mm-hmm. ever. So Brawl, of course, has a lot of detractors, but I think one thing that Brawl did really well was it was the it was the game that made it about like we're going to talk about video games as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to bring in a lot of different stuff. Um, so like, you know, you know, yes, we're going to have Snake in here, but you're also going to see Ninja, you know, uh, or Cyborg Ninja, you know, and things like that as an assist trophy. And so it, it was it was a, it broadened. Um, you know what that game could do, Jake. What did you What do you think of Super Smash Bros. Brawl? Well, it, I mean, piggybacking off of what you just said, you know, obviously when it was kind of making the turn to being more of a celebration of video games as a whole, like you said, because um, it was the first one that had non Nintendo characters. Yeah. So you have, uh, you know, Sonic, uh, Snake, um, wait, Sonic, Sonic's in Brawl, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm missing another major one. And I can't think of them off the top of my head. I know those are probably the two biggest of, of those two is, is Sonic and Solid Snake um, showing up. But, you know, just that alone made it really interesting, especially with the subspace emissary storyline I thought was really interesting, where, like, this... The creator of the hands are yeah. is like is like trying to steal all the all the nintendo characters and turn them into trophies and it's just and then they have to go up and save all them and kirby and mario the last two survivors subspace emissary has my favorite uh uh what am i trying to say movie uh ever cutscene ever where the big Star Destroyer. The Halberd. Yes, the Halberd mm-hmm. shows up. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and like, there, it's coming to destroy everything. And Kirby comes down on a star, <laughs> a star. and goes through it. And it literally does the it's, samurai thing where like it, like it goes through it. There's like three seconds of pause and you see the Halberd slowly split in half. Mm-hmm. That is the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, the creator, uh, uh, Sakurai, he said his favorite character is Kirby. Well, he, so, he created Kirby. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, there you go. So, yeah. But yeah, but th- that explains it then why Kirby is always, is always the dominant, dominant force. For, I, I, look, Kirby is to Nintendo what Captain Marvel is to Marvel. That's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just, you know, when, when the ship's there and we're having issues, Kirby's one of the most yeah. powerful characters in the, exactly. in, the in the entire mythos, just yeah. hands down. Also, a know? nice little level sure. where, Pikachu and Solid Snake are working together. Yes, you yep. Know? Uh, yep. So they're just a lot of fun. I really, I, when I think of, of Brawl, you know, Brawl has its detractors, rightfully so. I think it is a very flighty of the of the game system, uh, you know. And I mean, and that's saying as somebody who plays as Pikachu, Pikachu is dominant in Brawl, as dominant as he ever has been in any of the games. Um, but so I do think there is some. You know, people hate the, the trip the trip mechanics. Like yeah, that was a big that thing yeah. that people hated. And uh, I just... but like man, Subspace Emissary was the best storyline they did. Yeah. And I you know, and I remember when, when they were you know, when the new one came out for Switch, Ultimate came out. Uh, I like, you know, the uh, what, what World the, of Light. Yeah, world, I like World of Light. I think what they did was really interesting with the, the world itself. Um and it was a lot of fun. But it just didn't have, you know, like I said, those cutscenes really added a lot mm-hmm. where you got to see, you know, Solid Snake and Pikachu working together, you mm-hmm. know, or Mario and Bowser deciding to work together, or, you know, Kirby just, you know, you know, being the, you know, the dominant force. D2D and Wario and yeah. Midnight all, like, betraying them. <laughs> exactly, you know, Until yeah. they have to realize they have to work together, you know, it's, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, Brawl, <laughs> Brawl was one of my favorites, um, definitely one of my favorites just for the Wii in general. Um, of course, it introduced or given my favorite of the Smash Bros. characters in Ike. I've always loved playing as Ike. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. And, like I said, the, the Wii, of course, you know, it's it's considered, obviously, it's a huge success. Uh, you know, and, you know, we really, I, I don't think you would have gotten, you know, it, it, it's a step forward to the Switch in a lot of ways. Because mm-hmm. the Wii U, of course, is kind of their four-way into, uh, you know, the screen as portable and then of course you get the switch after that which is just a straight up you know portable console is really what it is um and so you know it, it is a step forward and, and it's a massive success that keeps them going but i do think it's interesting 
um, that it does have really such a, uh, you know, a low, low grade among a lot of video game people. Um, because once again, there's just not that many great games on the Wii, uh, you know, that you could, you know, really consider to be, you know, classic games. Obviously, Galaxy's up there, Twilight Prince is up there, Skyward Sword would probably be up there, uh, Brawl would be up there, you know. Um, but after that, you're really kind of hard pressed, you know. Am I wrong, Jake? I there's mean, a couple. Is, there's I mean, a couple other, other games. Other is on the Wii, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But Metro yeah. Prime Three is on there too. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, like, you know. yeah. So you know, it's 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 a it's it's an interesting system that's really extremely successful, and I, you know, and and very you know, and rightfully so. Um, but it's just it it just hasn't really seemed to have the lasting impact that, ironically, the 64 and GameCube did. Um, because it just doesn't have the games, it seems like. Um, and so, you know, that's that's really, you know, where I think, you know, we kind of need to end off here because, you know, through what we've seen for the 20 years that we've covered here is this really, you know, down, down, and then extreme rise. But with Nintendo, it's not really that simple ever because no matter what happens with Nintendo, they're always going to put out, you know, great games. Uh, they're always going to put out uh, games that, people are going to remember for years to come and games are going to have moments that people remember for years to come, uh, whether those moments are in the games themselves or whether those moments, you know, occur within just the, um, the people around us. I, what was interesting about this with very little prodding from me, when we were talking about the system, when we were talking about the games, most of the time we talked about them in the context of the community we were around when we were playing them. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, I think that's the, what, what's interesting. The one through line through all three of these systems is that they were intended to be community systems, systems that you played with other people or games that you experienced with other people, even if those games were single player games, because Jake, you remember Wind Waker in context with Jenny, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you remember Smash Brothers in context of me, Soul mm -hmm. Calibur in context of me. You know, Al, you remember, uh, you know, obviously Wii Sports Resort in context of the one horrible community event that you had with Wii Sports Resort. Uh, you know, so, I mean, these are, that's that's how the, these systems have worked. Um, and so, you know, when, when we're looking at, when we're looking at these, you know, and, and this is, the, I think this is the last question I'm going to have. Um, you know, for you guys, when we look at these three systems, you know, other than the, you know, with the, you know, we talked about the community and everything. Um, do these, do these three systems, you know, we've got obviously the switch right now is extremely popular. It's already a top 10 selling console ever, uh, which is amazing for a system that's only been out for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, so when we look forward to Nintendo, you know, wh where do we think Nintendo is going to go? Um, is Nintendo, you know, are they going to be able to keep this streak alive or are we going to be able to see them? Are we going to see them kind of fall off a bit? Because, you know, remember the 64 comes on the hills of the Super Nintendo, which was the winner of that generation. And then we kind of see them fall off a bit. And, you know, the Wii U comes on the hills of the Wii, which was the winner of that generation. 
you know, where do we see Nintendo going? What's going to keep Nintendo going forward in the future? Al, we'll start with you, man. Um, yeah, man, that's a great question, Josh. It really is. Um, I think it's interesting because you see the progression of what the Nintendo home consoles have done. You know, you have the SNES, which was, you know, it's arguably the the most iconic system to be made. Um, arguably, of course, but I mean, it is a significant console in the history of video games. Um, you go into the N64 and the GameCube, which are solid consoles and had a lot of great offerings, but lost that end of the console war. You have the Wii, which was wildly successful, but it doesn't have um, as any great iconic games as as its past consoles did. You had whatever the hell the Wii U was. Um, and now you have the Switch. And it's so interesting to see because it's really a story of how Nintendo kind of reacts to the changing to um, the changing kind of landscape of what the industry is. Um, because we talk all the time, whenever we talk about the Switch, we talked about it on on the games of the, the, the generation podcast a lot, where Nintendo with the Switch is just kind of, it's doing its own thing. It's focusing on putting out the kind of stuff that it wants to put out. I think with... <coughs> the progression of consoles, you see various kinds of reactions from Nintendo to the industry, right? You get the N64 where it was, you know, these games are 3D now. And it was weird. And like that era of 3D games was always weird. Everything was weird in that era of games. (laughs) And PlayStation just so happened to be wildly successful in what it did. You have GameCube be kind of a reaction to kind of the failings of on the N64 where GameCube started to try to be a bit more competitive and tried to pump out some more, you know, engaging kind of blockbuster titles, even though blockbuster video game titles weren't really a thing at that point, but those kinds of things. Um, and it failed as well. You had the Wii where Nintendo was just like, you know what, screw it. We're just going to advertise directly to families and we're going to do our own kind of thing. And it was a huge success. And now we get to the Switch where now we can really say, okay, Nintendo is just going to kind of focus on what it does. And that'll be, you know, a combination of putting out its own first-party games. And we see it engaging with um, all of the third-party developers as well. Because each console is kind of a reaction to where the industry is. And moving forward with the Switch, I think we'll see a continuation of the focus on first party and then a secondary focus on doing third party stuff as much as they can. But we're starting to see kind of the other way come about where, you know, we have the steam deck coming out and everybody is just like you know this is 
their response to the portability of the Switch. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting that the Nintendo has kind of triggered the other side of that reaction to the industry just based on the success that the Switch has had. Um, and so that'll be really interesting to see and see how it develops to see how things are going to change now that Nintendo is kind of the one to force those changes and those innovations from other people. Uh, I think that'll be really, really interesting to see. Um, I'm uh, very skeptical of the Steam Deck. Um, I think it has a lot of issues. But for a company whose consoles um, have been such interesting reactions to different eras and different kind of industry demands, um, it'll be really interesting to see as they kind of take hold of setting up those innovations and, and kind of being the company to beat as far as offering something new t- to the industry. I think that'll be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I think I think that was a, a good and, and you know, extremely well thought out answer. The, the interesting thing about yeah, you know, one thing you kind of kind of allude to there with the Switch, uh, Nintendo is really not playing in generations anymore. You know, because they really they just kind of you know do what they want. Whereas you know Xbox and I I, I will assume that as long as there's a Microsoft Xbox and a Sony PlayStation, they're going to be putting those out within six months of each other. Uh, and Nintendo is just not doesn't really care about doing that. Uh, they you know they're they're almost playing a a different game to your point. And now people are reacting to them. That's interesting. Uh, Jenny, where's Nintendo going in the next few years? What do you think? Um, I mean, uh, I think they're going to keep, you know, kicking ass and taking names. Um, you know, I agree with what Al said um, and what you said. They're just they do their own thing. Um, to me, they're they're the uh, the alpha and omega as far as games are concerned, in my mm. opinion. So <laughs> I mean, they are. I yeah, love my yeah. PlayStation, but. Nintendo will always have my heart, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do uh, with, you know, everything. But they, they're constantly surprising all of us, right? So, like, it's hard for me to predict it because I would have never seen something like the Switch coming. So, uh, so yeah, I, I know they're going to keep being successful. So Yeah, Jenny just basically said they're the god tier. <laughs> yeah, I, I was about I mean, to say, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I definitely. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm standing by that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Calling a system the Alpha and Omega is probably the first time I've been uncomfortable on a, on, the, on one of these podcasts. So. Well, I meant in yeah. relation to. Video I mean, I games. get you. I get you. I'm okay. just saying. Well. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, they, you know, they, they are the first and last name. You know, I mean, to this day, people call every console Nintendo if you're over a, a, a certain, certain age. age. Yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Uh, Jake will give you the the final word there. I, I how do I follow God tier? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> how how do I follow like when I hear Alpha and Omega, I immediately think of the the song. I can't remember what it was where <laughs> the men go, "You are holy," and then the females go, "You are holy," and then they keep like doing that. Yeah. And so I, I didn't know if you were just gonna keep going I, into. I'm not gonna worship Nintendo, yeah. but <laughs> but it's right under like it's yeah okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I I I understand. Okay. Um, but no, when the interesting thing about, about Nintendo and about especially the Switch is they have been the main console system 
that, and I'm really kind of surprised Al didn't really mention this, uh, that has really been focusing on, on independent developers and have really been putting a lot into their indies and everything. Um, and the thing is that I really think that's where a lot of... I think one reason maybe Al didn't mention that is, but, but he's, he did mention it. He just didn't mention it the way you think. Oh, excuse me. Because the thing is, like when he says, like they're setting the standard, one of the things we're seeing, particularly with PlayStation 5's, you know, indie push and Microsoft buying up all these indie developers, mm. that was a reaction to a lot of what the Switch was doing. Yeah. I mean, I first played Hades on the Switch, Al. I mean, that was, you know, that's where I played it, you know, and, and so they give they give a lot of people that opportunity. Yeah, you're you're correct. I just wanted mm. to, you know, Al, Al kind of alluded to that. Excuse me. I apologize. Yeah. Um, but, but no, like that's... I think that's kind of where a lot of the industry is going because when you get super giant, you know, giving us someone like Hades, you know, taking their time, giving us a great game. And I know I'm kind of getting a little bit off track, um, but then you contrast that with like a AAA studio due to crunch and due to certain times and constraints and everything, pushing the game out and it's unfinished. People are going to start making the turn to where they're like, I want to play more indie games because I know that's going to be a finished and complete game. And I think Nintendo kind of saw that because Nintendo is not afraid to push their games back. If you'll notice, Nintendo does not really put release dates like like a, a far out ahead. Like they'll like I mean, Skyward Sword was like, hey guys, yes, Skyward Sword, Skyward Sword was like like first shown in like April or May, and then all of a sudden in July it's coming out. I remember I didn't even somehow I missed it until like mid June, and then I was like, oh, I have a new Zelda game in a month to play. Uh, to I'm play, not you a know. big Zelda fan. I think that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. Um. But, you know, the, um, but the thing is, it's like, that's, I think that's, that's a smart move on Nintendo's part is because ex- with the exception of like COVID, they really didn't have to push back a lot of their games. Um, at least the, the ones that they had already talked about. And really the ones, the only ones that they had really talked about, like the last big pushback was Animal Crossing going from November to, uh, November to March. Of the of the, the that of that previous year, which thank God, which yeah, thank God, yeah, <laughs> like like a week before quarantine, Animal Crossing comes out. Okay, thank goodness, you know. And then everybody bought a Switch. Yep, yeah, exactly. Every single person, they sold out. They're backed up. I was yeah, no, I, I was I was working at GameStop at the time, like right right before quarantine, and you could not find a Switch. No. And this is two and a half, almost three years after. They've they've come out and they're still that popular and they're still that hard to find and and they I think were necessary during the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. They absolutely they were. You know, because that's the that's really the power of Nintendo is just you know you want to talk about escapism like Nintendo's. Don't get me wrong. I I adore these massive story driven these story driven games and everything. But but let's face it, if I'm having a rough day. I might not want to put in Last of Us Part Two. I might just be like, you know, maybe let let's play some Mario Golf or something instead. You know, like let's go fishing. You know, yeah, I'm because I'm not really going. I'm not. I don't leave work, you know, and if I'm down, I don't immediately say I want to see Ellie say just take him and go again. Like I don't. That's not where my mindset goes. Um, that's nothing against Last of Us Part Two. That's an amazing game. I don't know what you're saying. I agree. You know, but but that's the thing about Nintendo is that Nintendo allows for that escapism a lot more. What video games kind of originally were intended as is just 
people gathering around playing games and enjoying themselves, you know, and if the darkest we're going to get in a mainstream Nintendo game is going to be like Twilight Princess, I think you're never really going to have to worry about that aspect from it. And so when it comes to what they're actually going to do, I mean, in a lot of ways, Jenny's not wrong. They're going to kick ass and take names and they're going to be playing by their own rules. I mean, the, the switch coming out in 2017, just randomly, like while, I mean, the switch being announced the same day as Red Dead Redemption 2 is odd, you know, because it's like, I mean, it just it just is. It's coming out in the middle in the middle of a life cycle of another system. I mean, by by all accounts, PlayStation Four is literally a year away from having its biggest year, mm-hmm. and and the Switch is are is just randomly being announced. Just yeah, you know, and PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X one forty seven or whatever the new one's called is years off at the time. So you're right. No, they're playing they're playing by their own rules, and it's because they know they can because. They're always going to be innovating. They're always going to be putting out games that we're going to want to play. So much so that I was literally in the middle of this. I've never actually played Super Mario Galaxy 2, and that's very sad. And, yeah, we never had it. And so in the process while this was going on, I was looking at my phone. I was like, are they going to port that to the Switch so I can play it? Because they have made so many good games over the years that we're always going to want to go back to certain ones because there are games that pass us up. There are games that we didn't have a chance to play. So we're going to spend $60 on a game that came out. I want to say if it came out like today, it would be 12 years ago, I think maybe a bit less. It was 2009. Yeah. 2009, 2010. So, so 11, 12 years or something around that. So, so that's the thing is, I would if that came out tomorrow, I'd spend sixty dollars on it right now. Just be like, all right, let's go, let's play some well, Super Mario Galaxy Two. Well, they release like you know Twilight Princess and Wind Waker on the Switch. Everybody, I'm going to be play, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be like playing that. them. That that will that'll be the third time I bought Twilight Princess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> we've bought it on every console. Yeah, we that that, that it came out on. Yeah, so <laughs> and 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 that'll be like the eighth time I played through that opening that you can't cut and that you can't <laughs> skip. So you know, but I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to be like, oh, oh, no, Russell has a broken leg again. Okay, I guess I have to go to Hyrule t- uh, this time, you know. So, no, that's that's the point of Nintendo is that they are you're always going to want to come back to them sooner or later. It doesn't really matter what your connection was. Even someone like Al who hates the Wii <laughs> so much went on a, a, a about a seven-minute dissertation of why Super Mario Galaxy 2 is one of the better platformers of all time. Yeah, but it doesn't have motion controls, unless you're shaking the thing to get the To get stars. Yoshi to do that and get the stars, yes. Yeah. No, I, I get that, but that's my point, is that even even someone who doesn't like some, one of the things they're doing can still find, fo- something, find something good yeah. and something to love, even. So, and yes, Kirby's Epic Yarn is amazing. So, yeah, you know, and yeah. Well, I, I think if nothing else, one of the things we figured out is that the last character for Smash Bros. ultimately needs to be Joel from Last of Us. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that what we took from that? Is that what you took? That's so what just at the answer. Yeah. All yeah. right. You know. I think it'll be great. You just, know, he can shank people. Mario ain't even hurt. You know, <laughs> just, yeah. then a car just comes through. Exactly. You know, that's, just, his, that, that's, that's his, his final that's smash. His he ain't even hurt. He ain't even hurt. <laughs> just runs over. Man, never mind. Yeah. I, now, now I want it. That'd be so great. <laughs> 
Uh, nah, I, I would, I'd be sad if that happened. That would be the really. weirdest That'd be mix. the weirdest crossover. This, but, yeah, plus, I, how do they do the trailer? Gull got the invitation <laughs> to Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I mean, I kind of wish, I also wish they would just for that. Yeah, like, there's Tommy, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before I, yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, man. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I think what we've learned in these last uh, last hour and so uh, is that, you know, Nintendo's still a driving force uh, and has been a driving force in video game media. And I think they're going to continue to be, obviously. And, uh, you know, and, yeah, and I, I really, uh, really want to thank my panel here. Obviously, uh, Jake, Jenny, Al, thank you guys for uh, showing up for the uh, the GUI Center of Nintendo. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, and this is Josh. And you know, as always, before we close, we always say Phantom is for everyone. So uh, we hope you have a good, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and we will see you next time. Cowabunga.